What's up, everybody? Welcome to the SWAT MMA podcast. My name is Jared. I'm sitting here with Paul. What up? Coming to you from the fight capital of the world. Today, we're going to be smoking and talking all about the UFC 291 pay-per-view card. We're going to be discussing Spence versus Crawford, Inouye versus Fulton. But before we get to the combat sports, you know what time it is. Grab your weed. Fire it up. Let's get into the weed of the week. Smoke weed every day. What are we smoking on this week from Lit, Paul? <laughs> All right, so this week we have Red Sangria number 17 made by Lit, also known as Lost in Translation. I haven't um, had this before. This one is a sativa hybrid with um cross from White Sangria and another strain called 4516. Hmm. I've had the, uh, the other Sangria, but none of these. I didn't know they had 17 versions of fucking Red Sangria. Yeah. I it's bet like you gelato. It's, yeah. Well, that's kind of how most weed strains are, though, nowadays. It's all... I suppose. It's all people trying to fucking recreate shit, you know? Got a little bit of super sour diesel left. I had a pen around here somewhere, but I can't seem to find it right now. Yeah, I think I left mine in my car, too. All right, well, hope whatever you're smoking on is good, folks. Let's go ahead and dive into the combat sports, starting with the last weekend's UFC London card. Uh, I thought the main event was a pretty good statement made by Tom Aspinall. The rest of the card was kind of meh for me. So let's just start with that. I mean, he comes out, uh, he's facing Tibera in his return fight, uh, Aspinall's return, since we saw him against Curtis Blades where he blew out his knee. So he's got the TKO loss technically, but he didn't really lose that fight. Uh, he lost it to injury. It's been a year. He comes back looking in some pretty goddamn good shape. I mean, he's a big dude, six foot five, two fifty eight. Yeah. He comes out, and, you know, Tibera's all right. He's been around a long time, ranked number 10. But he's had flashes of some brilliance, flashes of some good fights. He he did the great the world a great favor by knocking out fucking Greg Hardy. Yeah, that's always great. So I'm a fan, but he just got smoked. What was it, like 70 seconds, 71 seconds? Something, something like that, that yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think also when you talk about what that meant for Tom Aspinall, uh, they've They've kind of curated these cards around him out on that side of the world, and he always gets this huge pop, and I feel like this was kind of his entrance into the title conversation with this win. Um, there was a little bit of chirping from him and John Jones after the fight as well, which I thought it was pretty cool. A little bit, yeah. I mean, he talked a bit about John Jones. Um, yeah. He called out the winner of the Cyril Gon sergey Spivak fight. I think that makes a lot of sense for him now. Yeah, especially since Jones is tied up with Miochik right now. Yeah. Uh, they could go ahead and do that and turn it into a number one contender's bout. Yeah, and so my biggest question for you coming out of this fight is we've we've been around, we've seen the UFC throughout the years, and what they tend to do sometimes when it, when they have prospects, someone like a, like a Tom Aspinall, um, if in some kind of situation, Jones and Stipe fight, and they both walk away from the sport, where do you put, where do you put him on like the short list of guys who are gonna be like the next one up at this weight class? It's really hard to say because the UFC seems to like Cyril Gaon a lot, and I would say he doesn't deserve yet another title shot. But I could see them making him for some fucking vacant title if that happened. Um. 
don't know. I mean, I suppose either way, I suppose if that happens and they both retire, that number one contender spot we just talked about would just become the de facto title fight for the vacant belt. I don't really know what else makes sense at this point. Well, I just mean with the with the prospects we have in week, because I feel like in the last few weeks, everyone wants to crown, you know, each guy the, the one that's going to beat John Jones, whether it be uh, Almeida a couple weeks back when he did what he did to um, freaking Rosenstruck, and then if you even go further back to it, if you talk about uh, your boy fucking Sergey, what he was doing, has been doing to, ev- yeah, to everyone in the division. And yeah, to, he was the, he was the guy that Jones was supposedly scared of why he's retiring. But this MMA, it's what have you done for me lately? I mean, mm-hmm. Tom Aspinall, though he was a, a pretty widely considered prospect before all these guys. It's just that injury kind of took him out of the mix. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he would have got the win over Curtis Blades instead of the injury, we'd be talking all about him right now. Those other guys wouldn't have had that shine that they had. It's because Tom was out, I feel. So I think that he kind of, with this quick destruction of Tibera, he just reassumes his space at the top above all those dudes because that's where he was before. Yeah. I mean, he's been around a hot minute now. I mean, he's about 13 and 3. He's a big, big man. I don't think Jones really, I don't think he has anything that Jones hasn't seen before. That's what I was just going to say. So now it's looking at it the other way. Like, how do you feel if Jones sticks around? And if Jones beats Miljic, which is likely, let's be honest, I'm a big Stipe fan. But wow. Someone I mean, clip that. <laughs> right. But, I mean, let's, let's just go with the most likely scenario. If yep. Jones getting yet another victory. I don't well, I mean, Tom Aspinall is good, but that, this just seems to be a moot point at this at this stage. Like, so? it It does. I think Jones falls when Jones shows weakness. I mean, Aspinall's great, but he's not anything that hasn't been seen before outside of his size and power. Maybe he's knocking out more guys than John Jones has seen at light heavyweight because he's still raw at heavy. But Jones is not the same guy he was at light heavyweight. He's a massive man himself. But so, I'll also say to that point, though, well, if you look across the board at all the other possible like guys that Jones would face um, on his way out of the UFC, I think Tom Aspinall is the most well-rounded of all of them, whether it be Cyril Ghosn, he has tons of holes, Sergey obviously has holes, as we saw. His only loss in the UFC was to Alex Overeem because of grappling. And then you also look at Almeida, who is a ridiculous grappler, but his prowess on the feet really has yet to be tested. Right. And, but if you look at Aspinall, because of what we said, because he's had a litany of different other fights in the UFC and had these... I'll, I'll say one thing, like, of most prospects that the UFC's had in the last few years, I think they've done the best job bringing along Tom Aspinall of any of them. Because this dude just continuously fights, like, the next level, next level, next level. And he's we've seen him in there against strikers. We've seen him in there against grapplers. We've seen him, and he seems to pass all the tests. So I think the only real X factor he has above all the other, all the other contenders is he is the most well-rounded of probably anyone outside of John Jones really at heavyweight right now. Probably at heavyweight, yeah, it would seem that way. Stipe included. I think I think Aspinall could beat Stipe right now. Mm. As much Maybe. as that sounds like, you know, not saying that, you know, Stipe's a shell of himself, but I'm saying, like, at his age, the trajectory Aspinall's on, like, that kind of shit matters. And I think that would matter also if he were to face Jones. So we're going to be getting a different Stipe in this fight. He's supposedly going to be, what, like 20 pounds heavier? Yeah. I, I mean, we'll see. He could it's be, hard to say. Yeah. But I just mean based on what we've seen in the last couple of years. I don't, uh, I, just, I don't think anybody beats John Jones, really. 
Yeah, me so too. It's I was just hard to paint that. Lab kit for a <laughs> but I think Aspinall is definitely the next guy up. Yeah. He's still uh, young, too, which is a good thing. If he gets past the winner of Gone and Sergey. I think he does. Most likely, especially if it's like Cyril Gone. I've never been a believer in that dude. Yeah. How about um, Molly McCann losing in her big show at the O2? I mean, yeah. Jesus. She had her moment, and I hate to say it because I like her. She's charismatic and she's fun to watch, but she's done with her moment. I think that McCann is in a situation kind of where she's a fan favorite, but that doesn't mean that she's the best in the world. She's 35 years old, too. She had her moment yeah. in the sun here. Mm-hmm. She had that three-fight streak, got all that shit with Patty. Big crowd got this fight. This was a fight was a gimme for her. This was supposed to be a fight for her to win in front of her home crowd, mm-hmm. right the ship, and then she went on and got submitted. Yeah. I mean, this it it's over. I don't mean her career's over, but I mean this run, yeah. this run, this fame, this 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 done, dude. Even the fame part fun. doesn't necessarily have to be over, but the sporting aspect of it is. Yeah, I just mean over. headlining shit, co-headlining at yeah. the O2 with the screaming fans and and the excitement. That, that moment has passed. I mean, it happens to everybody. She got a good three fight streak out of it, dude. That's yeah. like look at Masvidal, fucking yeah. ran that shit for a hot minute. Connor, I mean, his his is done too. Everybody comes and they go with with that fucking streak, mm-hmm. but hers is done. Hold on, real quick. I wanted to ask you something. Have you seen it? It kind of ties into this side mm. of the world. Bro, have you seen the pictures of Darren Till lately? No. Dude, he looks like he weighs like 250. Jacked as fuck. Really? Yeah. What's he doing, like Gordon Ryan? I don't know. But he's talking about he's finally got his training down, and he's coming back. To combat sports. Uh, and I don't know what that means because he also in the past when he, reti- not really, like pseudo retired from the UFC, he uh, was talking about boxing and doing other shit. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what other things he could be into, but he looks like if he does come back, he's going to be fighting like 205. That would be interesting. wonder what, if he's just bulked up naturally. <clears throat> but he's or, always been big though. He's he, a big dude. I mean, he was fucking, fighting at remember what, he had 170. Cut, wait, <laughs> he was he cutting was dying, so much weight at 170, he went blind. Yeah, so I mean... If he's walking around 190, getting up to 250 is not crazy. No. But he looks jacked, bro. I was like, what the fuck? I didn't Mm. even think it was him. Oh, shit. I'm going to have to pull it up for you just because. It's fucking crazy, though. I mean, he's kind of one of those guys, too. He's another one that, like, he kind of got fucked by the UFC. Well, they fast-tracked him a little too quick. Yeah, it was too much too soon because they wanted that English star. Mm -hmm. And... They're in danger of doing that with Patty Pimblett. I mean, he looked like shit in his last fight. And you better fucking either shore up some skills or guys like Tepera are going to fuck him up. I was talking about Matt Frivola, too. He'd have his hands full with Matt Frivola. Who, Patty? Yeah, so Inter? Darren Till could, you know, suddenly find himself in the spotlight if he did make some kind of comeback <laughs> and have some kind of success. God damn it, everything is loading in this article but the picture I'm trying to show you. <laughs> of course it is. Oh, God. But yeah, either way, that shit is crazy. I will say it was nice to have a UFC fight night that wasn't at the Apex. Oh, yeah, that changed everything for me. It just makes everything so much more interesting to watch, man. Because when you have like a crowd behind people, it's... 
Dude, there could be some big changes up ahead. It is really, really not a given that the UFC and ESPN resign, especially if you look at what's going on with the parent company of Disney. Like, Disney is selling shit off, and they are mm-hmm. actively looking for a partner for ESPN. Have you seen this? Yeah. They're looking for, like, a sports partner to come in with the big bucks, like NBA, and fucking save the network, basically. Yeah. You think they're going to shell out a bunch of fucking money for some... Fringe, what is still basically a fringe sport in comparison to the big three or big four? No, I don't fucking see it. I see the UFC moving. Dude, look at this without a doubt. Man. Yeah, that fool does look pretty damn big. Shoot, he looks huge. Yeah, to what he used to look like. Yeah, he's, he looks massive. Not absurdly so. Not like he's definitely on the juice, but that's what I meant. Like, yeah. that's why yeah, that looks like, like he could get that naturally. Big. I mean, I'm like, big dude. I don't know. He just looks big though. Like he looks like. It looks like he should be five. That like, looks like a 205-pound fighter right there. Yeah, it does. Plus, he's, what, like 6'3", 6'2"? Yeah. Like fucking, he's a big tall dude, what if Darren Till doesn't, like, an Anthony Rumble Johnson kind of deal where he comes back at, like, 205, rattles off some, like, big knockouts, and is, like, all of a sudden right back into the picture? I'd be for that shit. That'd be dope. But, yeah, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I went on that little thing. I just had yeah, you needed cool, to see that. That's crazy. But the rest of the card was uh, not really worth talking about on today's show. Let's move forward and dive into the big pay-per-view coming up with the bullshit title, but still a good fight at the head. We've got UFC 291. The big surprise for me going into this is that we haven't seen the co-main event between Belhovich and Piera be elevated to a title fight. That seems crazy to me. We're just going to leave the fucking 205 title vacant. (laughs) Like... (laughs) <laughs> it's right here. The only reason I could think of that they might not be doing it is because the fighters would be refusing to do a five-round fight. But do you think they turned on a title fight over ten minutes? I think either that or Jan Bla- or not Jan, but uh, Yuri Pohachka is way further along in his recovery than everyone else knows. You know what I mean? That could also be kind of something that's in the fold. What They're if, waiting for this and the winner gets Yuri. Yeah, because like let's kind of look at it back. Just, just how we got to where we are with the whole Yuri thing. You had Jan Blahovich fight um, uh, Magomed Arkhalaev for the title, and that totally blew up in the UFC's face. Yeah, it was like a draw and a stinger. Yeah, just like on epic, epic levels. So maybe they just like looked at this fight and they're like, okay, maybe let's not do that again because <laughs> we had these guys get ready for a five round fight two weeks before. We started a three-round fight and then two yeah. weeks before switched to a five-round fight, and they came out, both looked gas, and put on one of the worst title fights in light heavyweight history. So maybe we make this fight for, you know, you got Perea, who's also coming off a knockout. You think he wants to go five rounds also? I don't think so. Well, that's the only thing that makes any kind of sense is if Yuri is ready to, or almost ready to go, whereas they can make an announcement at the end of this fight and next week. Gone. All that shit, yeah. Yeah. Or if they don't do it there, then he, like within the next week afterwards, you can't leave this title vacant like that. It's it's without some sort of announcement. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's a bad look if they do, because it means they have no plans for the division. That used to be the premier division in the UFC. I mean, yeah. two hundred five is where the glory has been mm-hmm. historically in the UFC. It would be shocking for them to leave that vacant for a long time. Yeah, true. That's a good point too, because that although. Over the last few years, we have seen a lot of guys like, you know, the McGregors and the Aldos and the, you know, people that are a little bit on the smaller side become some of the stars. But this whole company pretty much was 
gained its popularity from the 205 division, whether it was Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture, Rampage, Rampage John Jones. All these names were like the core of what the UFC was in the mid to early 2000s and pretty Absolutely. much up to, to the McGregor era before that. that. This was the premier division, and to see where it is now is just kind of oh. fucking crazy. Well, let's make some picks on some of these fights here on the lower portion of this card. Look, we got fan favorite Derek Lewis fighting Marcos Ruggiero de Lima at a heavyweight bout. Look, look, I've been a Derek Lewis fan all the time. I'm just going to be brutally honest. I'm over it. Dude's probably going to lose here. You think I don't so? think he's got the will to win anymore. I think anybody who's ranked outside of the top seven is getting slept by Derek. Lewis I don't think cause. he fucking cares one iota. And I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he comes out in shape and, and wins his fight and looks looks like he, he can. But I've seen him too many times now just not give a fuck. For whatever reason, maybe it's his back. You know what I mean? Maybe he has a legitimate reason, but he's fighting. And I don't mean like I don't give a fuck like I'm winging wild. I mean like I'm, I don't give a fuck like I don't want to be here. Yeah. I don't want to be doing this. Well, we've seen Derek here. struggle with that throughout his career. He had one, at one point had retired at age 31 and was walked away from the sport. I sound like a hater. I'm not, actually. I fucking love Derek Lewis. I'm just keeping it real. I think it's, I don't think he wins here. I think he's basically done. I think he's only really hanging around in the UFC because he's Derek Lewis and it's the UFC. Like, they, they try to milk these mutually, names as long as they yeah. can. But it's mutually beneficial. You know. Um, another fight. So, I, I'll take Derek Lewis. But, um. Another fight on, on these prelims that I really like is uh, Jake Matthews taking on Miguel Baeza. Uh, Baeza's kind of been on a weird trajectory in the UFC. You know, he was he's one of those, like, young guys who got brought in from the Contender Series. Uh, and he's had some real, really good, like, back-and-forth um, fights, whether it was his fight with Matt Brown, which, you know, ultimately went away from him. But yeah, he's... He's just been been able to prove that he's able to freaking get in there and fight with some of the more quality fighters in the UFC. And I think Jake Matthews is another one of those guys, you know, that he's had some mixed results over the years, but he's always proved to be game. And this should be a really good fight as well. Well, Jake Matthews is a minus 300 favorite. That's pretty crazy considering both guys' is like overall resume. Like, I know Matthews is on a little bit of a win streak right now, but the quality of competition isn't really there, I would say, to be... A minus three. I mean, Derek favorite. Lewis is sitting at plus one forty three right now, just for the record. I'll take that. He said, "Just for the record." <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, it's not. It's not like I'm. Just, I'm the only person that sees that. Well, yeah, no, I I see it too. I'm just saying that my, you know, and my fandom side of of things, I would hope Derek Lewis gets back on track, just because we've seen him do it so many times throughout his career, look down and out, and should be. You know, more or less done, and then out of nowhere, pulls off like a three, four fight, you know, knockout does, streak, and everyone's true. like, "Oh fuck, dude! How do you not get knocked out by Derek Lewis?" <laughs> you know what I mean? So we'll see. Let's move up into the beef of the card here. Uh, Michael Chiesa, Kevin Holland. Now this now, is this an interesting is a, one. Yeah, this is a very interesting matchup, and let's kind of look at a deep dive on some of these numbers here. We've got Kiesa's current records, 18 and 6, 24, 9, 1, no contest for Kevin Holland. And when we look at their last fights, Kiesa's coming off a couple losses. Vincente Luque, uh, who's a Sean Brady, mm-hmm. wins over Magni, Dos Santos, and Diego Sanchez in his last three. Those, 
are debatable in their goodness. I mean, DeSandros is a solid win. Magni is a solid win. I don't know about Eaton Diego Sanchez. What are your thoughts on that? So this is like a real interesting matchup, I think, just because of the stylistic side of things. I think when you look at Chiesa, I think his biggest struggle in his career has been being able to, you know, stand in front of guys who have, you know, good striking. And Kevin Holland's one of those guys who's had a trouble getting down and, and grappling with people who have been some of the better grapplers. So it's kind of both guys are facing their worst nightmare. You know yeah, I mean? the numbers like, back up what you just said. Kevin Holland averages a little over four strikes per minute. Yeah. Michael Chiesa averages a little less than two, yeah. 1.88. And then if you look over at their grappling, takedown is average per 15 minutes, 3.39 for Chiesa, 0.84 for Kevin Holland. He's not even really trying here. And even in submissions, you've got you know a submission one average per fight, which is pretty damn good for, for Michael Chiesa. But I think that also is is what is strange about Kevin Holland's style. Because Kevin Holland's a terrible wrestler, but has great jujitsu. It's one of the weirdest fucking things ever. So I don't necessarily know what that means for this fight. You know what I mean? Because I I think that Kiesa is a really like you know, really a decorated grappler overall. Whether it be like the actual. Wrestling grappling side of things as well as his jujitsu. I, mean, I know he's good as jujitsu. What is his wrestling base like? Is he good? It's pretty solid. I mean, I mean he's, he's a good MMA wrestler, you know what I mean? And that's yeah. really all that matters. He's good at like leverage and shit like that. We've really seen that like in when you look back like at the Diego Sanchez fight, whereas Diego, who's also kind of known as someone who had some pretty good wrestling, fucking Kiesa completely canceled him out and just kind of, you know, smothered him. Yeah. And I think that. This is just going to be a weird, weird fight, man. Because I think the way Kiesa beats Holland is literally doing the same thing. He's just got to take him down and either put some some kind of significant strikes down on him or just chase the submission all all fucking day. But I don't really know if this fin- this fight ends at a finish if that happens. You know what I mean? I know that if Kiesa tries to stand in front of Kevin Holland, it does end in the finish. You know what I'm saying? Well, Kevin Holland's actually the favorite in most books. It's around a 150, minus 150 favorite to a plus 125 on Kiesa. It's pretty much a coin flip. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, so with all that being said, though, I think I'm going to go with Kevin Holland in this fight. Kiesa's just going to come in and try to grapple fuck him. That's his only chance of winning. Mm-hmm. I don't know how fast or how much Kiesa can keep that up without getting tagged, but... Because you've seen that in some of his past fights. You know, the Kevin Lee fight, Anthony Pettis fight. He When he tries to, like, keep a pace on his grappling versus, like, some of these guys who carry power later into the fight, he tends to tire out and get into these bad situations on the field. I don't know, my heart wants to say Kevin Holland by TKO, but my gut is telling me for some reason it's going to be Kiesa by submission. So there you, you mean go. by submission? Yep. I think if Kiesa wins, it's by three-round decision. Well, there we go. But I think the odds makers got it pretty close with a fucking toss-up right there. Mm-hmm. And now the interesting, I think, will be the fight of the night, and that is Stephen Thompson versus Michelle Payeta. True, but 
Do you want to talk about, since it comes first on the card, do you want to, and after the KSF fight, do you want to talk about Tony Ferguson versus Bobby Green real quick? I mean, this is a pretty inconsequential fight here. Yeah, that's kind of why I skipped it. I but, I mean, they are a couple fan favorite names. Oh, no, yeah, for sure. You know, we've got Ferguson coming off the loss to Nate Diaz. We've got Bobby Green coming off the loss to everybody, it seems. It seems Bobby Green's always winning until he fucking loses. But... Isn't this... Did Ferguson fight... Chandler last or, or Diaz? He fought Diaz last. Uh, Tony sure. Ferguson is a plus 285 dog. Bobby Green is a minus 350 favorite. Oh, holy shit. Okay. In that case, I'm taking Tony, dog. I don't give a fuck. Tony's career, like, that is the most disrespectful shit I've ever heard. I don't give a fuck what's happened in his last two fights, three fights, four fights. Man, that could be the fuck. bet of the card right there, folks. You could get Tony Ferguson... At plus at a lot of sport books for around two eighty five. That's almost 285? three to one plus two eighty five. Dog. Whoa! Don't get me wrong. I love Bobby Green too. He's game as fuck. But Tony Ferguson is a legend of the sport. That's my that bet is so far right there. I looked at the rest of these odds. That's that's the most out of whack odds so far on the fight card. That's worth wow. throwing fifty or an extra hundred bucks down on Ferguson for. Bro, that's fucked up. Especially if you can if you can knock off a KO or a TKO or a sub, you get to prop on that. This is just Bobby's man. nice, don't get me wrong. He's got, but he's like kind of like I view Bobby Green as like kind of like a Cowboy Cerrone kind of guy where like he's gonna fight, he's gonna fight some of these like top guys and he'll beat them every once in a while. But when he gets to the like elite of the elite, I don't know if he's got enough to to beat those guys. But no, this is, he definitely doesn't. This is a tough, that's that's crazy to have Tony Ferguson in plus 285 for this fight, man. I want to see Bobby Green's last few fights. Maybe I'm forgetting something here. I, I got it right here. Coming off a no contest with Jared Gordon, then a loss to Drew Drober, he was KO'd. A loss to Islam Makachev, he was fucking TKO'd. That's what I'm saying. It seems like he's been losing to everybody by KO lately. Before that, he's got a win over Nasrat, a decision, a TKO over Ally Quinta, then he's got losses to Fizev and Tiago Moises. Yeah, dude, Bobby Green's losing this fight, homie. I'm sorry. That's crazy. Tony Ferguson gonna fuck him well, up. I'm, make, I'm taking no, that I think, bet. I think Ferguson's on like a five-fight losing streak right now. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't. That's what I mean. I don't think Ferguson's due to right the ship. Yeah. He's a good fighter. He's not. Yeah. Right. He's not beating the top of the crop. He ain't fucking going in there and beating Islam. Well, we're talking Bobby fucking Green here, bro. No disrespect to the man, but I'm saying you're not. You're not. There's levels to the game. There's levels to the game. Ferguson's been up at that level. He's shown that. And if he's Bobby on a terrible him, losing streak, I'm telling you, those things get turned around at fights like this. This is gonna be fucking. My question to you, though, if Bobby beats Tony, where does that put him? Absolutely nowhere, because Tony. That's that's, 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 that's the that's shit. The shit fucked up shit for Bobby Green. He gets yeah. absolutely nothing with the win because people go, yeah. Tony shot, because that's actually what that will mean. If Bobby yeah. Green beats Tony Ferguson, Tony really is done, bro. Yeah, that's true. That's Look, Nate Diaz might not have been ranked, but losing to Nate Diaz in a manner he lost really ain't that bad. Like, yeah, Nate's a fucking dog. They beat Connor, bro. Connor would still have his hands full with Nate right now. Like, that's not... You go out and you lose to Bobby Green, that's something else, man. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. That's something else. That's the fucking bet. Of the fucking card right yeah, there. Plus Three to one, basically. Plus 285 on Tony. I'm hitting a sports book today. Yeah. All right, now let's talk about it. All right, Stephen Thompson, Thompson, dude. Michael Pierre. Pierre. Or Michelle, oh, Michael, whatever. No disrespect to him either. I just get high and I fucking 
<laughs> Butcher names like Joey Diaz. It's embarrassing. Dude, this is going to be one of the most ridiculous fights I've ever <laughs> seen, dude. Because you got, you know, you got Michelle Bayer, who's freaking one of those guys who just like does the craziest like capoeira style like attacks that you think he's fucking around, but they're actually effective. And then you have Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who's just like one of the most elite strikers probably we've yeah, ever seen. His, in, in and, and we're talking about karate style striking here, yeah. not like like boxing style striking. And he's Fast. definitely one of the. I mean, he's the best since Leo and Machida as yeah. far as like that karate style mm-hmm. in the UFC. And he continues to hold that despite him being a little bit older. I mean, he was born in '83. Piero was born in fucking 93. I mean, he's got a 10-year difference here, but I don't really think that puts that much of an edge for Thompson because this isn't going to be contested on the ground. Not Nobody's right. really going to be wrestling here. I mean, it could happen because sometimes that does, but I, I would be say, shocked. Probably. Honestly, though, do you know what? We've, we've seen Stephen Thompson when he fights some of these other like high-level strikers put on like a, a show when it comes to the wrestling side of things. Remember what he did to Masvidal? Where he just like out of nowhere, Stephen Thompson like took Masvidal down like six times in a fight and just completely shut him out like that. And then even in the Holland fight, I thought that he looked pretty good when it came to like the wrestling exchanges. Holland got cut him down a couple times, but there was never like like some glaring discrepancy, you know. He does have the advantage in in grappling. I mean, takedown. Or I mean, the disadvantage though, if you look at takedown averages over the course of the fight. Or the course of the career is 0.27 versus 1.56. I mean, it's quite a quite a big difference there. But I I would I don't think that's happening. Damn, for being ten years younger, Michelle's got a lot of fucking fights. Yeah, we're talking 17, six and one versus uh 28, 11 or two no contest. They're pretty similar in average fight time, 13 minutes to almost 15 minutes for Stephen Thompson. They're both about six feet tall. Reach is about the same. Thompson's got a small two inch. Advantage, 73-75. They're both orthodox. Strikes landed per minute, five for Piera, four for Thompson. Four 20 for Thompson. No, come on. I mean, strikes absorbed is about the same, basically three for each. Their defense is about the same. Their grappling has that disparity that we talked about. And uh, the difference is uh, Michelle is on a bit of a win streak here, at least five fights, you know. Yeah, if he wins this fight, he's he's kind of put himself up for a pretty big fight at welterweight after that. Well, he I don't think he was trying to get the Masvidal fight. fight before he before he pieced out. I think Stephen Thompson's precision is going to come into play, and Piera or am I saying his name right? Is it Piera? Is it Piera? I, I don't know. I don't mean any disrespect. I'm saying it's just too many fucking fighters. <coughs> I think his wildness is going to just be his downfall. I think that wildness is going to allow Thompson's precision to shine. Yeah, and he's going to piece him up technical. a little bit. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so what's Thompson's, I mean, he doesn't have the MMA record, but his kickboxing record, he's yeah. had a lot of fights in his mm-hmm. career. I mean, what was he, 96 and 0 or some shit? Kickboxing? 96 and 1. 96 and 1, some crazy shit. Yeah. But that's my pick, Stephen Thompson there, absolutely all day. I'll take Stephen Thompson, but I wouldn't be surprised if somehow uh, Pierre pulled it out. Well, that's a nice way to hedge your bet right there. (laughs) Now, the odds on this fight have Stephen Thompson at minus 163 favorite and uh, Michel Pierre at around a plus 140. Yeah, it's not that Mm -hmm. serious. 
So let's move on. We've got two real big uh, fights at the top of the card. You almost said two real big title fights. I was going to say title fights. Say, and that, even that would have been accurate. Yeah. If they had made this for the title <laughs> at 205, yeah. that's a big title fight. The other one is it's, it's bullshit. But we'll get into that. First, we're talking about the 205-pound matchup, which we've already discussed a little bit earlier. It's not for the belt. We've discussed the reasons why we think that is, what the possible next step is, but we haven't talked about this fight itself. This is Alex's first fight at 205 in the UFC. He is a big, big man. Yeah. It was shocking to me he was at 185 anyways. I don't know how he did it. I mean, during fight camp, he looked like he had no weight to lose, and then somehow he'd be cutting weight. Never had an issue making it, but I'm curious as to what he looks like at this increased size. What do you think? This is going to be a very interesting fight. I mean, if you just look at the numbers, I mean, everybody talks about how big Jan was compared to Adesanya. Alex is bigger than Jan. He's 640 on 6'2". He's got a 79-inch reach to Jan's 28-inch, or 78-inch reach. 28. 28. <laughs> 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 oh, be the Polish dinosaur, not the Polish fucking power with that shit. I think one of the most underrated stats, I would say, in this entire, like, entire fight is going to be Jan Blachowicz's grappling. Because although his numbers don't really match, like, you know, the narrative sometimes, if you look back at some of his biggest wins, like when he, uh, when he fought Jacare Souza, who was known as, like, a real great grappler, he held his own in, in wasn't giving up the takedown. He fought Corey Anderson, who's seen as an elite grappler, was able to fight off the takedown, keep it on the feet, and put him to sleep. When you look at when he fought Israel Adesanya, not only was he he able to take Izzy down, but he also put some pretty sick ground and pound on him as well. So when we've seen, and then even even in the last fight against Magomed, he was he was keeping it keeping him generally off the takedowns until both of them were, you know, completely exhausted. But I just feel that in this fight, I think the real big X factor is going to be Jan Blahovich taking Alex Berea down and how he's going to react to that. Yes, absolutely, I agree. The odds on this fight are basically a toss-up. If you look across the board, it averages about a, a slight favor towards Jan, around a minus one twenty, minus one fifteen to you know. Some of them even have uh, Alex at minus one ten as well. Some of them have him at plus a hundred. Yeah, know, it sounds all right. It's right, right in there as a toss up. Uh, I'm I'm going with the Polish power. Although honestly, I would like to see Alex get the win. The sporting side of me would like to see Alex get the victory here because of some new blood. Mm -hmm. um, I think that would put him in line to fight Yuri for the title. That would be interesting to me. They're both, uh, I mean, Yuri's a really wild striker. No idea how he's going to be coming off that injury. That'd be pretty interesting. Jan's been around a long time. I respect him. He's been champ. Yeah, I'm taking Alex. And now, the most <laughs> important title in all of mixed martial arts. The baddest motherfucker. Dude. This was fun when it was Nate Diaz made it up and they fought George Masvidal for it. And frankly, Paul, they could have made this title fun if Masvidal's next fights would have been for that title. If they, all, that's all they had to fucking do yeah. was whoever he fought next was for the BMF title. 
Mm-hmm. Like, that's because, you know, that's how it works when you have a belt, mm-hmm. right? But the UFC just let that shit all fade away. We never hear about it again. And now they fucking trot it out at the last minute after Masvidal retires. And then none of that makes any sense at all. Because yeah, so the winner class. of this fight, they have it till they retire. What if they don't fucking retire for five years? That's just it. Yeah. What if they get their ass kicked in every single fight after this? They're still the baddest motherfucker. Like it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not down with this anymore because the UFC already showed us this. It's complete bullshit. I mean, we all knew it was just a fun thing, anyways. But then they they stopped. Yeah. Fun thing's over now. So yeah, we're supposed to care at this point. So take that away. It's a great fight, Dustin Poirier. Versus Justin Gaethje. Dustin and Justin. Now, this is the second fight. Their first fight was one of the most crazy fights I've ever seen in my life. Like, just two guys. And both guys, honestly, since that fight, have changed their style quite a bit to be sure that they never got into a fight like yeah, that Yeah, five-plus fights since then. For each and of them. it was just a war, dude. It was one of, like, the most... Crazy wild fights I've ever seen, and I don't expect this to be any. Any. It's interesting. They both lost to Charles Oliveira two fights ago. They both mm-hmm. had one, you know, win since then. Gaethje over Fizeb, which was a great fight. That was amazing, and of course uh, Poirier over Chandler. Yep. And then they also Gaethje also has a win have, over Chandler. I was going well. say they had very similar fights with Chandler. I thought they both have losses to Nurmagomedov. Yeah. <clears throat> So here's my real question, though, because the way that this should have been ran versus how it's going is is kind of beside me, because I think they would have got a lot more juice out of the squeeze had they dubbed this the number one contender fight for Islam's title, considering where they are in the division, considering kind of the opponents in which are not, like, mm-hmm. you know, like... Everyone kind of has this consensus that if McGregor fights Chandler and wins, that he's going to fight Islam for the title, which is pretty crazy to me. Especially since they're going to be fighting at 170 if they ever fight. Yeah. But that's kind of been, like, in the media world and kind of the whole, every kind of MMA, like, Yeah, people have been saying. They've been kind of, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. You know what I mean? And even me as a McGregor fan, it's like, I don't think that's a good idea for him. No, at he all. can't beat Islam. Let's he, get real. Like, so. He can't Not beat Khabib. You uh, ain't fucking with Islam. Yeah, he's just a um, better version of Nurmagomedov. Yeah. So I don't know why they didn't just make this a five-round fight, put it under this light heavyweight fight, and dub it the number one contender fight for the belt. Because they needed a title at the top of this card. That was the only reason. And I'm not even making a joke. Yeah. That's why. Otherwise, yeah. they might have done that. They don't need that though. But the, in the UFC, I'm saying I, I agree. They don't. You're right. Yeah. But in the UFC's, whatever reason, their line of thinking, a pay-per-view must have a title at the top of it to the point where they've made ridiculous interim titles simply for that purpose. Yeah. And now this is all that is. This is but all that is. It's kind of weird, though, because they kind of went away from that for a minute, man. Remember they, they had the McGregor versus Cowboy fight? It's only because it's Connor. Yeah, but then Connor's they, special. After that, though, that's what they said, though. They were like, oh, yeah. yeah. And even the Nate fight, when Nate fought Tony, that was on... That was non-title fight on the headline of the pay-per-view. Yeah, very, and, and, and I'll make an argument because that was basically one degree off of Connor. You know I what know. I mean? I Poirier, the UFC Poirier and Gaethje eventually well, builds for fucking Connor DS3. 
Mm-hmm. So I could see the UFC going going with that. They were trying, and originally that was the sacrifice Nate Diaz pay per view. It was going to be a diss on him. Yeah, I mean they made it a pay per view to fucking shit on him on the way out the door. He just turned mm-hmm. it into a win. But yeah, all I'm saying is it's they a bullshit sold... title, but it's a fun fight. Let's talk about the fight itself. They could have sold this as a non-title fight, and I think it sells the same. I agree with you. I'm just saying they're in their warped mind. They think they can't do that for reasons yeah. that make no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. I don't think they're. You don't need to fucking title it off of a pay-per-view if it's the right This fight. is a fucking banger, dude. Two guys that just, like, go out there and put, like, whether it's Justin Gagey or Dustin Poirier, we've seen them put paces on certain fighters that you just never see, man. Like, what Justin Gagey did to Tony <laughs> Ferguson in that interim title fight was, like, one of, like, the most master class performances I've ever seen from Justin Gagey. Yeah. Or if you go in and you look at the Chandler fight – where we kind of saw the old version of Justin Gaethje kind of come back out and he kind of proved that he can fight with, you know, patience and tempo, but he can still be that guy and go out there and win these fights as a fucking, just an, a wild animal. And, and then the loss to Oliveira, I mean, was tough. It, you know, kind of the loss to Khabib and the loss to Oliveira were like kind of failure to launch fights. You know, they, they were fights where he went out there and kind of just got ran over. Mm-hmm. There was nothing he did right or wrong. It just what happened. You know what I mean? And then the fight with Fazib was another one of those bangers that I think that Gaethje promises every time. And if he does this against Poirier, I don't know how it turns out for him, though. Well, yeah, because here's the problem. If you look at their statistics, they're eerily similar, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, their average fight time. Look, they've had Dustin's 29-7, and seven, one. Uh, Justin's 24-4. and four. But their fight time's exactly the same. They both average 10 minutes and 6 seconds, which is just an unusual coincidence. They're both about the same size, 5'9", 5'11". Slight advantage there to Gaethje in height. Two-inch advantage to Poirier with the fucking reach, 72 to 70. Southpaw versus Orthodox. Now, that might come into play. Their age, they're literally two months apart. Um, Their strikes landed per minute, very similar. Their accuracy is very similar. Their strikes absorbed per minute. Gaethje... Take some more hits. That's where I was just double the hits, and then the big, the big difference though comes in the grappling. You know, we've got one point three nine takedowns for Dustin. We've got a good takedown defense. We've got over a submission attempt, more than one submission attempt per fucking fight, and we've got virtually non-existent statistics on Gaethje in this matter. So, depending on how Dustin fights this, I think he's just gonna fucking win with his wrestling and ground and pound. Which is funny that you say that though, because Justin Gaethje. His roots are in grappling and wrestling, which is like... I know, we've which, heard this forever, but I don't believe it anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought no, he'd show I, it I, in the Nurmagomedov fight. Yeah. And I've heard this. He's an elite yeah. wrestler, and I'm not denying that he used to be. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe that he does that anymore. I mean, his fights would he say that he doesn't. He does have a 75% takedown defense, though. Yeah, he's got career. a decent takedown defense. and he. But I mean... What, in his last fight, we saw him do a takedown and everybody shit their fucking pants? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, seriously, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk shit. He did, he did his first takedown and against Fazev, am I wrong? Yeah, I think so, something like, like that. It is what it is. I mean, I've just never seen it. Like, well, if you don't use what you have, do you really have it yeah. in this instance? No, I agree with you. I mean, if if he's, this is a wrestling match, you'd be like, yeah, it doesn't Gage, you're probably going to fucking tear him up. But this yeah. ain't. This is an MMA fight where Gage never uses his wrestling to offensive like that. He uses the defensive stuff, like you said. Yeah. But 
Oh. He also blocks punches with his face. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, Since this, hence the seven point six six strikes absorbed per minute. That's true. Per minute. Well, that's kind of the problem, though. Is he is he's a gunslinger? He's eating thirty five. He's eating close to forty punches a round. Yeah. How many rounds can he keep doing that? That's true. Well, think about it this way. He lands 7.3, and he absorbs 7.6. So he's just out there leaving him, just letting it ride, dog, which is crazy that he is even in this this point, <laughs> fighting his whole career like that because these are his career stats. So he's no, no, he's a great – he's always fun to watch. I'll always watch Justin Gaethje fight, and I respect the hell out of him. I don't mean to sound like I'm talking shit on his game. That he chooses to fight that way, it's super entertaining. We all fucking love it. I'm just saying I don't think that's what it takes – I don't think he can beat Dustin Poirier with that. That's it. I think a uh, similar game plan to what he he fought Tony with, he's got his best chance to beat Dustin. But if he goes out there and fought, fights Dustin like he did the first time and fights Wild and doesn't really use tempo or pacing, he's in for a long night. We've got Poirier being a slight edge in most of the sports books at minus 140, Gaethje averaging around plus 120. That's about right. A lot of Will. tight odds on here, except for that Ferguson fucking fight. That shit's crazy. That's our pick of the fucking pick of the card right there for betting. That's just those odds plus two eighty five on Ferguson make that a real interesting bet. For real. So let's move on to the world of boxing for a minute. We got some really big title fights coming up this uh, week, and just one fight that we've just been waiting for forever finally coming to fruition, and then we have. Earl Spence taking on Terrence Crawford. I know this is like literally like five years of buildup. <laughs> it's been like 67 Jesus. months since they had that big argument right. backstage. And he was like, I'll knock you out. Now here we are, man. Finally. Finally. For all four belts, unifying the fucking title at welterweight. Gotta love it. This will be the first bout, you know, for all four major welterweight belts in Boxing history. Spence has the WBC, WBA, and IBF titles. And of course, Crawford, who is also on a 10 fight knockout streak, has the WBO belt. Yep. Um, so there's been mold. Let's just kind of go down the line. There's, for people who don't know the kind of the story of how we got to where we are, this fight starts with that argument. But then. You yeah, know, way back on November 16, 2018, at the Hooker fight. Mm hmm. It starts with that argument, but then there's kind of some some reasons why this fight hadn't happened in the last five years. You know, you have the Earl, Earl Spence getting into a car accident, which has sidelined him for over a year. He had, you know, kind of, I think his team as a whole, like not saying that he's the reason a lot of these uh, negotiations have broke down, but I'm saying at that time at least, I yes. think that his camp and a lot of people around him were like, I don't know if we should rush into this fight quite yet. With you know, because no one really knew how he was going to react, like physically. Yeah, he's only had two fights since then. Well, not only that, and it, it's one thing for me or you in in normal everyday life to get into a you know some kind of situation where we got lucky and you know survived because that car crash that he got into. At least more than half half of the time, there's going to be some serious bodily injury that comes with that. And the fact that he flew out of the car and was generally unscathed 
is ridiculous. So the fact that he wanted to take those two fights to kind of see where his body's at, see where his head's at, he did get concussed from it. You know what I mean? Like those, those kind of things matter, man. Like the, so I think that part of the the fight not happening this long have has been you know kind of the only reason I've been okay with it. But all the other negotiation bullshit, man. I yeah, there's a lot of problems with top rank ago. and everything going on on Crawford's side. They just didn't want to make that fight for a really yeah. long time. Oh yeah. Crawford was in a, in pretty much a, at a point where his own promoter is talking shit about him after every fight, and then he leaves top rank, and now I think that was probably the biggest move on why this fight ended up getting done to begin with. Yeah, it de definitely was. Um, you know, there's a whole lot at stake here. I mean, let's just talk about Crawford for a second. If he were, I mean, we, we both know at this point, whoever wins, Regardless, both of them are going to be two of the greatest welterweights in history. But if Crawford beats Spence, this would actually be his second time getting an undisputed title. Because in 2018, he beat uh, Julius Ndongo to become the undisputed junior welterweight title, although he didn't actually defend that. He gave up all the belts and moved up to 147. So if he wins the welterweight undisputed title against Spence here on the 29th, he's going to be the first men's fighter of the four-belt era to become an undisputed champ in two different divisions. Clarissa Shields did that, of course, uh, in the women's boxing. So there's a lot on the line for Spence here. He's got 10 knockouts in a row. He's actually broken orbitals in two title fights of his opponent, and that's a rare injury to have in boxing. And he's done that twice here in both title fights at junior welterweight and at welterweight. Um, the man hits very, very hard. He's been more active than Spence has. Do you think that these things give him an advantage going into here? See, I think part of the problem is that these two are have been kind of known to be the best two guys in the division for the last five years in between when they were supposed to fight and now that I don't feel like either of them have really faced an opponent of each other's level in those five years. Mm -hmm. And I think that although the momentum is big for Crawford, I think the skill – this is going to be – either one of the most exciting or one of the most boring fights in the history of boxing, in my opinion. I think it's going to either be both guys respecting each other on such a high level because they know how high level they are, mm -hmm. that they're going to be standing in front of each other all night and nothing nothing serious is going to... Not that nothing serious, but you know what I mean. There's, there's a difference between two guys who are highly skilled and know what they have in front of them versus two guys who are driven by what's in their head and taking stupid chances and end up leaving holes that are easily taken over by someone of their same level. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's one thing that Earl Spence, I unfor I think Earl Spence is going to win this fight, but I think that Earl Spence shows more holes in his game than Crawford ever does. Crawford is like super, super technical and super, you know, super in tune the whole fight. And I feel like over his career, Earl Spence – is willing to take the risk sometimes for the reward, whether it's uh, in the Ugas fight where he had that weird situation where his, his uh, mouthpiece had fallen out and mm -hmm. he ends up getting rocked by Ugas, and that was like kind of seen as like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Um, or even, you know, even in the Danny Garcia fight where I thought that although it was his first fight back from, you know, the accident and everything, I thought he looked like, you know, 
not a shell of himself by any means, but just like like he was getting his feet wet. So the question really is, is in his head, does he have that same confidence that he once carried when he was, you know, before the accident and mm-hmm. at the top of the world? And Crawford has just been on this crazy momentum swing that I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, think? I mean, these two are – it gets repetitive to say, but, I mean, their combined record is 67-0. and 0. I mean, that means something. they got 52 wins by knockout between the two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but only one of them, and that's Crawford, has won all of his fights at 147 pounds by knockout. And I have to give him the edge. The sports book have it uh, averaging about minus 175 as a favorite for Crawford and about plus 135 as an underdog for Spence. And my pick in this fight is just going to be going along with, with them due to those, just the power. I mean, they both have the intangibles. They both have the will to win. They both got the grit. You know what I mean? They both are knockout artists. They both are premier at the top of their game. But I think... I think Crawford's packing a little bit more power despite the fact he's of a slightly he's slightly older. But I think that's going to come into play here. I have to make a prediction of some sort. That's what I got. I think Crawford's going to take it by decision. Tight. I'm taking Spence. By knockout. That's Late bold. in the fight, though. I think round 10. Yeah, it would have to be late in the fight if that were to happen. But, I mean, neither one of these fighters has ever even been knocked down in a fight. Now, they both come close. Once back in 2019 for Spence and, um, what, in the last fight uh, against Hugas or Crawford. Whatever. They've never been knocked down is my point. Yeah. So uh, that's a bold prediction. I don't think that's happening. But you're taking Spence. I'm taking Crawford. I I feel like something wild is going to happen that night. Whether just – because that's what happens in these big fights. We've seen it over the years, man. And if you look in, like, the history of boxing, like, think about when Muhammad Ali got knocked down for the first time and everyone was like, what the fuck just happened? Or when, you know, when fucking back in the day when uh, Sugar Ray Robinson got beat up by uh, fucking uh, Hearns. Like, everything, not Hearns. I'm thinking of, uh, God damn it, I'm too high for this. But I'm just saying, in big fights like this, shit happens that no one has ever seen happen to a lot of these guys because mm-hmm. both are so high level that it wouldn't. I would not be surprised if one of them knocks each other out just because this is the tip top of the mountain and somebody's got to go. All right. Well, let's talk about before we wrap up the show here the other, the real big fight that's going on this weekend. This unfortunate fight a little bit under the radar because of the Crawford Spence fight, but we've got uh, anyway versus Fulton. Uh, anyway, is moving up to super bantamweight to take on the WBC and WBO champion Stephen Fulton. It's going down in Tokyo. Uh, this is a banger right here. I mean, he's widely regarded anyway as the top pound for pound in, in men's boxing. Which I mean, he's been nothing but sensational. And he's been steadily moving up in weight since 108 pounds. I mean, this is a wee little man. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've weighed 108 pounds since... I don't know, fourth grade? I don't know. I mean, shit. I mean, I jest, but, like, he's packing power. It's just we get so used to the UFC, right, where the smaller fighters, as low as they go in men's, is 125, and the knock on a lot of them is they don't they don't have the knockouts. And in boxing, it just, especially with anyway, it's not that way. I mean, he had 14 TKOs in his first 16 career fights, and then he started moving up and knocking them fools out, too. 
So I think the biggest question in this fight, and it's something we've seen throughout history, is when these guys move from weight class to weight class to weight class, is where does the power kind of hit its, its you know, it bottoms out, you know what I mean? Cause yeah, it stops somewhere. It, it, it does, you know, as it's you get... stuff, Philly guy. Well, that's you know, the thing, too, is like Philly as you get higher way. and higher in weight class, those punches that are not so easily absorbed by the smaller guys are sometimes, you know, just not as... Not as just powerful as they are at the smaller weight classes. Right. So I don't know. And also, it's definitely a different different style between these two. Anyways, a you know, break you down and put you away kind of guy where Fulton is more of a he's more of a like follow a game plan and get get to the decision and, you know, know what he's got. Like he he's gonna go in there and, and more or less outpoint you. Whereas anyway is trying to put you away the whole Which is odd because anyway is the smaller man, you know, coming in here. Mm-hmm. He's got a little bit of a size discrepancy, but it's hard to pick against him. I mean, he's steadily. I mean, he, hell, he's a minus 410 favorite. I mean, yeah. You know. Fulton is a champion coming and in. And Fulton is a champion, and he's no joke. Yeah. Like, he is a very skilled fighter, and he's looking at around plus 320. I mean, that's crazy. Which might be another good good bet. I mean, honestly, th- those odds are a little bit out of line with reality. I mean, yeah. I mean come on. Plus three twenty, um, like what you're saying. It, I, I, I pick. I think anyway does win that fight, but it's gonna be a lot closer than those odds would indicate. Because I think those shots are just being able to knock out round three. No, I think it'd take <laughs> a lot longer than that. It might even be a decision. Think so? It could. It could be. It could be a decision win for anyway. But if he were to get a TKO, I, I imagine it's gonna be late in the fight after those shots have really started piling up. You know what I mean? Started taking a toll. I don't think he's going to get the early, the early knockouts like he does at the smaller weight classes. Yeah, I tend to agree as well. So I'm picking anyway though. Still taking anyway though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't bet it with those odds though. <laughs> yeah, I ain't bet with minus four ten. That's crazy. What the fuck are you gonna do? Right. Make four dollars. <laughs> what the fuck? Um. Well, all right. Yeah, I think that wraps everything up for the day. All right, we're looking forward to these fights. Thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. Puffing down if you did. Uh, thank our sponsor for the show, Binoid CBD. You can get great deals on their products from uh, CBD to Delta 9 THC. And you can also find good deals from the UFC store. If you go to our website, click on what, Paul? Cool stuff button. And then you also can head to the website and click the gear button, buy a t-shirt, support the podcast, and take your ass over to Instagram and follow us at SWATMMA Podcast. SWATMMA.com. Thanks, everybody. Peace.